Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks so much for being with me here today. It is Wednesday, June the 10th. On today's show, it is National Indigenous History Month here, and June 21st will mark National Indigenous Peoples Day. And Indigenous Tourism BC is encouraging communities across British Columbia to get creative with this year's celebrations, of course, as we go through COVID-19. So I'll be joined by the chair of the ITBC board to talk about that and a little bit more. And to end off today's show, well, it is a new edition of That's Whack Wednesday, and I'll be discussing the need to maybe take a break every once in a while from what's happening in the world in order to avoid complete exhaustion from the issues we are dealing with because they're all important issues but hearing the same things day in and day out can definitely make you care a little bit less and that is the wrong attitude to have so that'll be coming up at the end of the show but to begin as we go through COVID-19 of course the vast majority of businesses that I have visited have been encouraging their customers to pay with credit or debit, and in fact, some businesses have completely said no to fiscal cash and coins during this pandemic. Is this the way that our society is headed? Could we be looking at going completely cashless in the near future? Is that even a viable option? Well, I'm joined now by the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs with the Canadian Retail Council, Carl Littler. Carl, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. So I'll just start with with that sort of general idea. I mean, when we're talking about retail sector here specifically, is going cashless even something that could be considered at this point in time? So, I mean, each uh, each individual re- retailer, merchant is, you know, obviously open to choose that path. Um, I don't think that's going to become very widespread. Uh, and, you know, it depends a little bit upon the... Uh, upon the individual choices. There are a few reasons for that. I mean, there are a lot of people who continue to work in the cash economy. Um, You know, obviously there are options now, including interact transfers and so on, but you think about babysitters and and people who cut your lawn and and people who are sort of working more casually, uh, cash is still the, you know, a significant means of payment. Um, And in consequence of that, um, you know, you, you need to make sure that you can accommodate that. I guess the second thing is, you know, there are a fair number of vulnerable individuals who tend to work on, on a cash basis. And so you want to be careful that people who are already economically vulnerable don't end up in a situation where, you know, nobody's willing to take uh, the form of payment, the only form of payment they have on offer. Okay, so I mean, when we're looking at just the sort of movement that we're seeing, you know, it's kind of just been happening right in general over the last 20, 25 years, this move to more electronic, yeah. you know, use of, of things like interact debit and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, more and more businesses are, are obviously offering that. Most businesses, I think, pretty much have to have some sort of debit or credit machine in order to be, um, you know, to keep themselves afloat because that's just how the vast majority of people seem to pay these days. But is that, um, you know, could it be... Uh, a money loser, I guess, for retail companies when we're talking about only accepting plastic? Because I know there's a lot of fees that potentially come with using plastic as well. Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing is, obviously, if it's somebody who, uh, you know, is unbanked, uh, you know, or their credit card is maxed out and that's what they have, then you're going to potentially lose that business if you don't take their their cash. So that's one part. Um, There's a bit of a difference in in situation between uh, debit and credit. Debit is actually pretty inexpensive to take. It's usually a few cents per transaction. Um, you know, certainly still pretty low. 
whereas credit is quite expensive, uh, you know, often costing the merchant two, even three percent of of the bill. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think that retail margins are often ten percent, three looms pretty large, two looms pretty large. So, so credit is very expensive for merchants to accept, and so uh, in general, they will have a preference for debit. Obviously, the situation is different in this COVID-19 situation because people are not only thinking about their financial costs, but they're thinking about the, um, you know, the health risk. And that led to um, almost a doubling of the or a halving of the use of cash, which was already in decline, as you pointed out. I mean, cash has been on the decline for years and, and certainly this COVID-19 situation has hastened that decline. But I don't know that there won't be some degree of recovery for cash when things are really normalized. Have you ever heard of any business that, that, you know, at this point in time wouldn't accept cash? I know there's a lot of business owners out there who I'm sure prefer to use uh, electronic methods of payment just because it's easier for probably their, their record keeping and things like that if it's all done through one type of form of payment. But is there anyone out there that you can think of or have you ever talked to that really doesn't like the idea of, of accepting cash? Sure. I, I've seen businesses that have an outright refusal to accept cash. And I'm just even talking anecdotally. So if I'm encountering it in a number of places, I'm pretty sure others are as well. Um, whether those business owners might make exceptions, you know, for somebody who's lost their wallet, but they have some cash in their pocket, you know, maybe exceptions might be made. Um, although, you know, there are some businesses that don't really have a cash drawer anymore. I mean, they they accept payment through Square and, and a number of other options. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly some out there who don't accept it. Uh, but, you know, the larger they are um, the, and, and, and the more they sell necessities, um, the more they tend to at least have some option to accept cash. Yeah, and I guess another concern around the use of, of physical money, I guess, is the possibility of, of, of uh, fake money, right, or, or fraudulent money, but I'm sure that's a pretty minor issue when it comes to retail. Yeah, I mean, you know, people certainly uh, do, check, uh, do check bills for, for counterfeit. I think the primary concern at the moment is cash as a medium for, for COVID-19. Um, so, I mean, the best way to look at it is that cash is just another surface. And, and so to the extent that you're handing over cash, you have contact points for the hands and so on. If you use uh, debit or credit by uh, using a contactless or tax system, then, of course, the only person that touches that method of payment is you. So people have expressed concern about cash. And, you know, the Bank of Canada has pointed out these are polymer notes. In theory, you could wash them. Uh, but the one trouble with cash that doesn't exist with cards is that when you pay with cash, unless you pay exact change, you actually get cash in return. Um, and you don't get that, obviously, when you pay with a card. And the challenge with that is if you're handing in cash, in general, you're getting back cash that somebody else has handled. So even though the, you know, the individual may be very you know, uh, diligent about sanitization, hand sanitization, and though the store may be as well, uh, the reality is that if you hand over a 20 and you get a 10 and a 5 back in change, you're getting, unless it's a brand new bill, you're getting money that's been handled by somebody else. So that's another uh, element that uh, makes cash perhaps slightly less desirable. 
And uh, last question here for you, Carl, but just, you know, a lot of people through this COVID-19 have just sort of changed their habits when we're talking about, you know, a lot of the, the PPE and stuff that exists in, in retail stores now that's going up as they start to reopen, the plastic shields, the plexiglass shields, um, the use of masks, the use of gloves, things like this. Not all of that's going to stick around forever, but I imagine some of these steps potentially could be, you know, permanent additions to the way stores operate. And you said that, you know, ca- the use of cash throughout this pandemic has almost been halved or has been about halved. Do you think that there would be a rebound in this? I know this is probably just an anecdotal answer that you can give, but do you think that, you know, as people's habits shift more and more towards the use of, of plastic to pay for things, that, you know, it'll it'll just kind of stay that way. There won't be that rebound in the use of cash. Can, can you foresee a, a, a life where that happens? Well, I, I certainly see it landing somewhere in the middle. Um, people have shifted their behavior. I mean, People are buying things online that they would traditionally have gone into a store for. Some of that will spring back, but not all of it necessarily. And then obviously with cash, people have become pretty comfortable with using their tap systems. Um, you know, it's, a, it's obviously a quick uh, method of payment tender, as it's called in the trade. And, uh, and so I think that while there will be some recovery for cash, uh, I do think that it will have declined in a discernible way that won't come back. So the best way is to say that it might make a partial recovery, but it won't make a full one. Interesting. I, I think this is an interesting topic. It's something I've thought about for quite some time, and it just sort of seems to be a heightened conversation right now as we go through this pandemic. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me on it. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for your time. You're very welcome. That was Senior Vice President of Public Affairs with the Canadian Retail Council. Carl Littler. Well, it is time for me to take a quick break here, but uh, when I come back, well, it is National Indigenous History Month. What can we do to celebrate? And how is this country doing when it comes to educating the public about the history of First Nations in Canada? Well, I'm going to get into all of that after this, so please stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be back soon. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks for being with me here on Wednesday, June the 10th. Now, June is National Indigenous History Month, and June 21st marks National Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous Tourism British Columbia is encouraging communities across the province to get creative with this year's celebrations. I'm joined now by the chair of the board of directors for Indigenous Tourism BC, Brenda Baptiste. Brenda, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of the exciting things that, that we're doing during this tough time. I mean, with the travel restrictions and with some of the challenges and states of emergencies that our communities are facing, uh, it's really forced us to be innovative. And I think it's going to have a huge impact in the future, even once we get through all of these uh, restraints. Yeah, for sure. So let's just kind of start by looking at national Indigenous History Month on a general scale. So it was first instituted in 2009 as a way to educate, connect, and promote reconciliation in Canada. How how effective do you think that, you know, having Indigenous History Month has been in order to, uh, you know, accomplish some of those goals? 
I think it's been excellent. Um, prior to 2009, there really wasn't a, a recognition that uh, this is something that the Canadian uh, public should even consider. And for and certainly for our nations, and we've got, within this province, we've got over 200 communities, but we've got over 600 throughout the rest of Canada. And so by establishing a month, uh, we're really encouraging people to get to know the Indigenous cultures within their territory and what that, that culture looks like and then to educate themselves on some of the issues around Indigenous people in this country. And do you think over the course of the 10 years of this, of this being obviously year number 11, that you know people have gotten a little more in the know about you know what it means to be an Indigenous person here in Canada and the history of Indigenous people here in our country? Do you think that you've seen you know, a uh, uh, um, a growth of people's knowledge uh, of the issues that you know many people do face here on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely, um, I think that there's a long way to go, but we're definitely seeing, especially within Indigenous tourism, um, an interest in Indigenous cultures within within this province, and the recognition that Indigenous people across Canada are, are so uh, diverse and that the opportunities to engage, to learn about uh, different culture is a way of connecting with uh, the Canadian identity. Now, of course, the the month is really highlighted by um, the the June twenty first, right? National Indigenous Peoples Day. And normally, there would be some you know pretty big celebration. I know there's a festival that happens in Victoria. Um, you know what's going to be happening this year? Because obviously, you can't have those mass gatherings this time around. What what are you guys doing to promote Indigenous Peoples Day on June twenty first? And you know how can people go about celebrating this year? Well, first of all, I have to say that uh, through this COVID-19 crisis, it's been difficult for our communities. I mean, our, our culture, our identity is really about those face-to-face gatherings and gathering community and connecting with elders and youth. So it's been challenging. Um, and our team has looked at how can we continue to support the festivals that won't be happening, like the Victoria Festival, which has been so successful in past years, continue to do the work of uh, engaging the public on on wanting them to uh, learn more about our cultures, but also the celebration factor. Um, so one of the things that we're doing this year is that we're hosting a virtual Indigenous uh, festival. And so ITBC is hosting the festival online on June 21st with a number of performances, uh, celebrations, um, storytelling, um, and, and I really invite everyone to follow through on that day. It's going to be amazing. So when people want to, to check it out online virtually, how do they go about doing that? Where can they, um, you know, what is there a website they can go to? Is it going to be streamed online somewhere? How, how can people participate? I would go to the Indigenous Tourism BC website. Um, and so just type in Indigenous Tourism BC. Um, and then download the Indigenous Tourism BC app uh, because it'll, find, it'll help you find, and we're very excited about this app. We launched it in, uh, in March. And what this does is it helps you with your travel plans. Once travel opens up a bit in this province, this will help you find local tourism operators and Indigenous tourism um, and, and various communities that you can 
that you can visit. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that kind of leads into my next question here. So when it does come to Indigenous tourism in a general sense, you know, as the province is starting to slowly open back up, we're obviously not going to have these mass gatherings. We're not going to have these really big celebrations like we would want to, like we normally would have. But what other opportunities may be out there for people throughout the summer to, you know, check out some of the uh, the, the opportunities when it comes to what Indigenous uh, communities have to offer? How can they go about finding, you know, we're, we're encouraging everyone really to stay ho- closest to home as possible, right? If you're in BC, stay in BC and find other ways to go about planning your vacation. Uh, what, what would BCIT have in terms of, um, or sorry, uh, ITBC, excuse me, I said that wrong. What would ITBC be recommending for people who are trying to plan a vacation and maybe want to have a bit of an Indigenous experience? Well, first of all, go to our website, um, uh, Indigenous Tourism BC. Uh, second, download the Indigenous Tourism app. Uh, it's it's something that we found really uh, helpful for people to find out what are those Indigenous experiences within that area. Um, and also just sort of committing to learning about the land where you're visiting, what, what are those, those uh, First Nations within that territory. And then um, joining a virtual gathering, there's many virtual gatherings, uh, not just ITBCs, but follow our social media channels and we'll, we'll highlight those upcoming virtual celebrations. Now, you, you mentioned learning more about you know, where you're going to be visiting, learning more about uh, the history of the, the communities that maybe are, are near to you or that you're planning to attend. I just wanted to ask about education in general, because you said, you know, people have gotten a little bit more in the know here over the last 10, 11 years and and have been paying a little bit more respect and a little bit more attention to what's been happening in our First Nation communities in this country and in this province. But can we do a lot better? And where does that start? Because I was just talking not too long ago here with someone and just saying, you know, when I went to high school, I didn't really learn a lot about the Indigenous history here in our country. And I think that that's a real shame and something that should be changed. Do you think that there is enough being done to teach young Canadians and just Canadians in general, I guess, as well? But I wanted to focus kind of on on the youth because that's where really your learning starts. And is is enough being done? Because I don't think enough is being done. And how can we go about improving that? Well, I think a lot of the uh, learning is going to be self-directed, right? Um, the internet has, has certainly been become a, a brilliant resource to learn about the communities within your area or the communities that you're going to visit. Uh, websites like First Voices, uh, which has uh, online language tools, um, other resources uh, online, such as the um, uh, the museums where they have, I think it's hashtag Indigenous Reads, uh, for recommendations on on books, um, but I think that uh, just doing that self-directed learning, um, and and certainly visit our again visit our website, and we can help provide you with some of those resources as well. There's a number of First Nations websites and organizations that assist in in this kind of learning. If people become more aware, I mean, how does that change the relationship, do you think, right? I mean, uh, you know, on reserve and off reserve, there's sometimes not, not uh, you, how do I say this? So, like, people living in, in a major community, in sorry, a big city, maybe don't necessarily think about what's going on in these smaller reserves or these smaller communities uh, that are near to them. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about, about self-learning and, and kind of taking that upon yourself. Is is that enough? Like. 
I, I feel like we should be forced to learn a little bit more about the history of our own country. And, um, you know, we learn about the world wars. We learn about the war of 1812. We learn about this kind of stuff. But there's a lot more that happens strictly on our own soil that I think people should be taught and people should be more aware about. Um, and, and doing it by yourself, I mean, that's great if people have the motivation to do that. But not everyone is going to take up their time to, to go about, you know, continuing that process. I mean, should more be done? Do you believe more should be done to, to make sure people are aware of what happened here in Canada? Absolutely. And I think that our leadership is doing a great job at advocating, making sure that uh, the information is embedded within the education programs, making sure that uh, there are resources um, being uh, developed to provide that ongoing learning. But a really good start is uh, one of the reasons that we started Indigenous Tourism in British Columbia is because we recognized two things. One, we wanted to create economies within our communities. We also wanted to celebrate our diversity in terms of Indigenous culture and language, and we wanted to build capacity of our communities and youth to be able to share that culture with our visitors. And that's a good start. A good start is to, as you're doing your trip planning, uh, and it's funny, it's difficult to force anybody to learn anything. So what we feel is that if you come, you experience, even if it's a, a virtual celebration, experience the culture, the beauty, the messages, that commitment to the land. And, and that really does provide someone with the excitement to actually move forward and learn more and dig deeper. Perfect. Um, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, Brenda, but, um, you know, you, you talked about visiting communities and participating in, in cultural events here uh, virtually or being able to, you know, learn more and, and go through the ITBC app and be able to learn a little bit more in that regard. But um, how else can we support Indigenous cultures here through this time, right? If maybe I'm I'm scared to go out, I'm worried about COVID-19, I don't want to leave my house, but there's probably some ways to still go about maybe celebrating the month of June, celebrating uh, Indigenous History Month here in Canada, and, and being able to support some people who are, are out there, you know, maybe it's with jewelry, or, or I don't know exactly what other kind of uh, um, material offerings might be out there, but how else can I go about supporting and celebrating this month? I think that you hit it right on the head, uh, supporting Indigenous uh, digital economies. Like I said, the one thing about this uh, time that we're in is it's really forced us to be innovative in terms of how we move business forward. And so um, we've got uh, Kukuli restaurants, we've got Salmon and Bannock in Vancouver. Those are restaurants that are reopening and are managing with the protocols that are there. Go, go and visit, have a meal. Uh, support our digital stores. We've got a number of digital stores within uh, within our stakeholder list. So again, go to the website, find out who those suppliers are, and support us in our digital our di digital marketing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brenda. I really do appreciate this, and I, I hope people are listening and do take the time to learn and celebrate this month. I think it's a good one, and June 21st, of course, is the highlight here. So log on to uh, uh, the um, ITBC website or log on to the app, and then you can find the, the virtual celebration that way. Anything else that you want to highlight before I let you go? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to actually spread the word and, and get people celebrating again. I think this is a time that we really do need to sort of embrace culture and embrace that celebration. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Okay.
That was the chair of the board for Indigenous Tourism, British Columbia, Brenda Baptiste. So, June 21. Mark it down on your calendar. It is National Indigenous Peoples Day, a day to recognize and a day to celebrate. And one good way to do that is to learn more about the cultures and communities that you live near or plan to visit. So educate yourself, learn about the history, and be better for it. Let's take a quick break here. One last break, and when I come back, it'll be time for a new edition of That's Whack Wednesday. So stick around, and I'll be right back. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks for being with me here on June the 10th. It is Wednesday, the middle of the week. Hump day, if you will. Yes, it all goes downhill from here, both in the week and on this show. It is time for That's Whack Wednesday. It's That's Whack Wednesday. Today, I just want to talk about how I'm feeling about everything that's going on in the world right now. It's a tough time to be alive, right? We're seeing unrest across the world when it comes to bigotry and racism and discrimination. Conversations that need to be had, but as we have seen, conversation just is not enough. People are tired of it, and rightfully so. The images, the videos, and the most frustrating part about all of it is the fact that a lot of people just don't seem to get it. This isn't about one individual. This isn't about people trying to take away the rights and freedoms of any particular group. It's about people of all colors and backgrounds being treated as equals. How is that something that anyone can take issue with? It's an attitude that I can describe in just one word. And I'm tired. And I'm sure many people feel the same way. Maybe the majority of people feel the same way. But it can't be swept under the rug. It's sad. It's frustrating. It's stirring up anger. And the movement simply cannot fade away. Oh, and by the way, as all of this action is happening across North America and the world, there's this whole global pandemic thing that we're going through as well. How many people are out there thinking they're COVID crazy? Are you having cabin fever? Are you feeling exhaustion from this? I know I am. And yet... We're still probably in the early stages of this. There could be, and likely will be, a second wave. There could even be a third wave. And yet here I am saying, I'm tired of talking about it already. We can't be complacent. We can't forget about what's going on. And right now, my attitude towards all of it can be described in one word. I need to re-energize. I need to refocus. It might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. But it needs to happen. The same message over and over and over. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands. Wear a mask when you can't physically distance. Avoid large crowds. Day after day after day, it's the same. And yet these things need to be said again and again and again. Because if we put the message aside for even a short period of time, that would be a trigger for people to say everything is moving back to normal. And it's okay to start living life like nothing is happening once again. No, we can't do that. A lot is happening. People have real problems that they're trying to address and they're trying to make change. And people are dying of a disease and that can't simply be ignored. So if you feel like me, 
and I know many out there do, just know that it is a whack attitude to have. I know it. I hope you know it as well. Try to escape from it if you can for a day or a weekend. Use that time to reboot and use that time to rest and reset. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Everything is whack in this world right now, but we can't be saying it like this. Whack. No, it needs to be said like this. Whack. So do what you need to do to escape for a short period of time and then get ready to come back at full steam. It doesn't matter where you are in your fatigue level of the ongoing major events. We all need to take the time to take a break from it once in a while and then come back ready to talk, ready to fight, and ready to take a stand. Whether it's issues with policing, racial inequality, COVID-19, whatever it is that is grinding your gears right now, just remember that you are not alone and we are all in this together. It doesn't matter what your issue is on the top of your mind these days like i said whether it's a pandemic whether it is racial inequality whether it is just your concerns about all the unrest and maybe you have an issue with particular groups that are being targeted right now i understand everyone has their own unique situation that they're dealing with and we all have our own unique and individual problems and it's important that we deal with them it's important that we talk about them but at the same point in time, all I'm trying to say is sometimes you need to take a step back and just think and reset. If you're always on the go, if you're always on the move, if you're always in the trenches, it's hard to maintain the message that you want. So take the time. Take a minute. Take a step back. Take a seat if you need to and rest and relax. Think about what exactly it is you are trying to accomplish. Make sure that you haven't faded away from the own message that you want to put out there, that you want to talk to people about. If you're putting it on social media, if you're putting it out there, you know, on news stations like this, you know, it's important to get your word out there, I think, in some way, shape, or form. Everyone deserves to have a voice. Everyone deserves to have an opinion. Doesn't mean it's going to be right, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't be heard either. And I, I just wanted to make this point because I'm, has, I'm having this mood today where I'm just feeling a little bit tired and a little bit frustrated and a little bit sick of the same messaging day after day again and again. But I know that I can't be complacent with that. I can't just move away from the whole issues that are going on and say, well, I'm just going to forget about them for a while because that's not how it works. But you can take a step back and think and reset and that's all I wanted to let people know today is that that's where I am at. And I know many people out there feel the same way. It's a whack attitude, but it's one that is very, very common and one that we can eventually bring back and make sure that real change and real action is taking place. Because like I said earlier, we're all in this together. This is not about one person or one individual. This is about everyone. This has been That's Whack Wednesday. That's Whack Wednesday with Jeff Andreas. Well... On that happy note, it's about time for me to wrap things up here. So if you ever have any burning questions or a subject you want me to hear me talk more about or you just want to say hi, don't hesitate to email me, jandreasstingray.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Jeffrey underscore Andreas. Well, that about wraps things up for the day. So I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, well, if you join me for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and I am set to be back here tomorrow starting at noon.